Turn with me this morning to, in the Word, to Second Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read the first four verses there, and then we'll be going to Romans 8 and verse 32. You know, the Scripture says in Isaiah 54 and verse 11, God said, through the prophet Isaiah, as you're turning to this, he said, the word that I speak, the word that comes out of my mouth, will not return void. That means that every time that the word of God is spoken, preached, taught, or sung, that that word will accomplish a certain purpose. So, Amy, as, as, as y'all are up here and you're, you're singing the Word of God, as you are out and about, and especially during the Christmas season, to, you have opportunity with family gatherings to, to, to speak a word, the Word of the Lord, into somebody's life. That's a big deal. And uh, Isaiah was told by the Lord that it will prosper in the purpose of, of which it was sent. So uh, today, as we preach the Word, we're assured that this Word is not just going to go like this. It's going into your spirit, and uh, you may not leave here thinking, wow, but I can tell you, there will be a moment when that Word will have a wow factor in your life. It may sit there like seed, and then immediately, seemingly, something begins to sprout from that seed that's in your heart. So, Second Peter chapter 1, notice as we read this, this is, this is written by Simon Peter, and he identifies himself in verse 1, and he says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us for the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, As His divine power has given to us all things... How many of you can testify that he's, he's spot on there because he has given me, he has given me all things that I need. And then he goes on to say that pertain to life and godliness. God will give you everything you need for life. This is not just about a church gathering. This is about God has what you need to live your life, raise your family and to do well. So, he gives us all things, and this is uh, done through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and virtue. Verse 4 says, that which have been given to us, it says, I ought to put on my glasses. I don't know what it is, how it seems like 
that they're making these Bibles smaller. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these, through what? Through these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. When you become a Christian, it's not that you change from being a non-church goer to a church goer. Or you change from being a person that's just trying to do better from a person that really, you just, it didn't matter. Salvation is about becoming a partaker of the divine nature of God. When you get saved, when you become a Christian, you're different Paul said, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so when we're saved, we are different from an unsaved world. We're not like everybody else. We don't talk like everybody else. We don't look like everybody else. We don't act like everybody else. We don't live like everybody else. We march to the beat of a different drum. And so I, I want to encourage you today to, to acknowledge the fact that as a, as a Christian, you have been a partaker of something. That means you take, you, you take unto yourself what God is offering you. Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his son, but freely gave him up for us all, how shall he not freely give us all things? This is, we're in a Thanksgiving uh, mode here, and we're, we're talking about the provisions and promises that God has given us. He sure has been good. I said, He sure has been good. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today. We are so blessed. Everywhere that we look, God, we see the fingerprint. Of your goodness. Lord, every day you signature our life with your faithfulness. And God, I, I can't imagine one day without you. So I pray, Lord, in these next few minutes that you will just reaffirm in our heart all the provisions that you've made for us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> when this year, it's hard to believe that as we sit here this morning, that 2022 is about to be but a memory as we cross the timeline from 2022 into 2023. A lot of people began this year uh, hoping that this year would be different. We, we entered 22 against the backdrop of two years of unprecedented challenges as a nation. And so many people began this year, maybe even with a sense of dread, frustrated with the path and the plight of their life. 
A lot of people want to change in their life, but they don't know what to do to make life better and their future brighter. And so as, as we're here and we're just days away from Thanksgiving and weeks away from the change of the year, the fact is that each of us, when we talk about wanting life to be better, different, the fact is all of us are writing our life story every day. Life is not a product of chance where we look and say, you know, everything they do just seems to work out. I don't understand. Uh, They're so lucky. No, life is not a product of chance. It's a product of choice. Decisions determine destiny. And, and with that in mind, we can know this today. I'm not here to sell you something. Uh, I'm here by invitation of your pastor. But he's, he's invited us here today to speak into your life, your family, and your future. So I want to share with you a message entitled, Five Promised Provisions That Will Rock Your World and Change Your Destiny. You can't get this on Facebook. <laughs> Five promised provisions that will rock your world and change your destiny. And the first one, obviously, is salvation. Salvation through Jesus. And, and when you look in, in the Word of God, you can, you can see how prominent that word salvation is. I'm going to use a lot of scripture this morning, so y'all stay, stay with me. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if, if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Luke 19, 10 says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Acts 4, 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. And so the word saved and the, the principle and the provision of salvation is made very clear in Scripture. But the question that begs for an answer today is, What is that? What is salvation? How do you define that? Uh, salvation is one thing to a Mormon and maybe another thing to a Muslim and another thing to a Methodist and another thing to a Baptist. And so what is salvation? Well, if you kind of begin to break that down from the standpoint of the Scripture, uh, salvation results in peace with God. It results in peace with God. Romans 5 and verse 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, a peace comes into your life. You, you have a peace with God that you didn't have prior to that. The Word says in, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, that uh, through Him, therefore through Him, we are justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're justified by faith 
and we have peace with God because of that. Now, you can, melatonin will help you sleep, but it won't give you peace. Drugs may relax you and distract you and, and kind of uh, uh, cause you to be numbed from the pain of life, but there's only one thing that will bring peace in our life, and that is when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we have peace with God. If you go to the cemetery today and walk through that cemetery, you'll see tombstones that may have rest in peace. But I got good news today. You don't have to wait till you get to the cemetery to rest in peace. I'm resting in peace because I'm at peace with God. It's nothing about what I do, what I don't do. It's about a relationship with Him when we embrace Him as our Savior. We have peace. Salvation is about peace with God. It's also about a permeating and prevailing relationship. With God. I'm not a, I am not just a church goer. There's a lot of church goers across the country this morning. As if you were to ride across Jackson, you'll see many, many churches with uh, a lot of cars in the, in the parking lot. But not everybody that goes to church has a relationship with God. And so, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, in John 1 12, John wrote, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. When you get saved, you become a child of the king. Hallelujah. I, 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 I am born again. I, I have received Jesus as my Savior. He's come into my life, and I've become part of this amazing family called the family of God. And so salvation is, is, it involves a permeating, prevailing relationship with the Lord. Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. I'm, I'm not looking up there at God. He's in here. I didn't come today to visit God in this sanctuary and pay my respects you do that to dead folks. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a living God. And we're here today with Christ living inside of us. That is salvation. It's also about purpose. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You know, life is about more. It's got to be. Life has got to be about more than marriage and a mortgage. Amen. Trying to pay your bills, get, get the kids raised, get them out the door. <laughs> Life is about more than that and graduations and vacations and reunions. And we, we do all that stuff. We understand that. But that's, there's, there's more to life than that. We have a divine purpose. There is a purpose for your life. And that is that we bring glory and honor to God. What does that mean? That everything we do and everywhere we are, our goal and our desire is to bring honor to Him. Whether we're on the ball field, the soccer field, whether we're on the job, we're in the church, we're in our home, wherever we are, that our life 
That don't mean you preach to everybody and you wave a Bible. And And so that is a promised provision, salvation. And uh, secondly, the promised provision is a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life. This is a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Assemblies of God. We believe that God uh, has, has provided the Holy Spirit to us and for us that we might have that fullness of the Spirit in us. Now, if you'll stay with me for a moment, I want to connect the dots. We're going to go back to uh, Joel 2, 28 and 29 in the Old Testament. And the prophet Joel spoke these words about a, a futuristic moment. And he said, in the last days, how many of you know we're in the last days? We live in a crazy, messed up, dysfunctional world. And you can't watch the news without realizing something, something is about to happen. In the last six weeks or more, there's been more rhetoric on the news media about Armageddon about nuclear war, war, World War III. Uh, we're, we're sitting on a powder keg. I'm not trying to scare you, but it's just a reality. Got a nut over there in North Korea that likes playing with <laughs> nuclear missiles. And so we, we are at a very fragile place as, as, as a country. And we are living in what the Bible calls the last days. I believe we're in the last of the last days. He said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams and your young men will have visions. All right, you take that and you connect it. Move fast forward to um, Luke chapter uh Luke chapter 3 and verse 11, where John the Baptist said, as people were giving attention to him, he said, there's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. Speaking of Jesus. said, he will baptize you with the Holy, Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. I want some of that fire. He, we're connecting the dots. If you go from there to Luke 24 and verse 49, where Jesus, just before He left here, He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. We're connecting the dots. Go from Luke uh, 24, 49, over to Acts 1 and verse 5, where it says that Jesus said, again, before He left, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, verse 8, we're still connecting the dots. He said, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Don't you know we need power today? We can't do this in our own strength. And then in Acts 2, verse 1 through 4, what Joel prophesied in Joel 2, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of years before, bam. On that day, in that place, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now, you say, well, what in the world does that have to do with me? Well, God has made this provision of the Holy Spirit for us. 
and it will change your life. There's a lot of people that go to church and profess to be saved and maybe are a little bit you know, indifferent about the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you something. You need that. I need it. God doesn't give frivolous gifts. He is a good gift giver. Is there anybody in your family you look forward to getting a gift from? And there's some, when they give you something, you think, yep, that's going to somebody else next year. <laughs> we, you know, God, he, He's a good gift giver. And so when He provides this gift, it, it is beneficial to us. Here's an example of how it changes life. In Acts 1, 120 gathered together for prayer in the upper room. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out. 3,000 people came to know Jesus. And so now that little group of 120 has become 3,120. How about that for church growth? In Acts 4... And verse 4, it says that 5,000 people became believers that day. So now the church of 120 is, that went to 3,120 is now 8,120. And then if you go from there to Acts 5 and verse 14, you'll find where they quit counting and they just said multitudes. What does that mean? You see, the devil never intended... For that little group of 120 to ever be anything but a group of 120 or less. But that church became a mighty church because of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It, it rocked their world. It changed their life. And I'm saying to you this today, that that provision of the Holy Spirit, it extends your life. Uh, it extends your your influence. It extends the quality of your life. I like to, to say it like this. Uh, and, and, uh, we, we don't just come to church to have an experience with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit. We do life in the Spirit. We do marriage in the Spirit. We raise our kids in the Spirit. Some uh, years ago, whenever those... Earbuds first began to be used uh, in fast food places. I am at the counter and I place my order at McDonald's, which was a typical uh, small cup of coffee and a sausage and biscuit. And so, <clears throat> you know, I can make a gourmet meal out of that. Because I've got my coffee, and I take the biscuit apart and put the sausage over here and put butter on the biscuit and put jelly. So I've got a three-course meal, and I didn't spend but $2. <laughs> anyway, I, got, I placed the order and paid. So I just stand there waiting, and the lady there, I heard her talking, and she said, uh, so you want pancakes and with sausage and an orange juice. And so I said, That's, I didn't say that. That's not my order. 
And she turned to me like I was crazy, you know, like I wasn't talking to you. (laughs) But the deal was she had an earbud. She had a voice. You know, with the Holy Spirit, we have a voice. Now, you can't tell everybody you're hearing voices. <laughs> I wouldn't have... But the, the, the point is, the Spirit lives in us. And He speaks in our life. And He'll, t- He'll talk to you about your husband. He'll talk to you about your wife, about your children. He'll help you on the job. With, as, 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 as people of the Spirit, we do life in the Spirit. That's a promise provision. I'm almost done. The other promise provision is that we can live life with more than enough. How many of you would like to be at a place where you're not living, if you are, from check to check, where you actually have more than enough? I, I like to drink Coke and coffee. And I don't like to have just enough coffee for today. It's really comforting <laughs> to know I have some coffee pods for the rest of the week. Uh, if I buy a Krispy Kreme, do- I don't buy a Krispy Kreme donut. <laughs> Why would you do that? So um, I drive, you know, we'll, we'll buy a dozen. And you don't want to waste anything. So the, the, the point is that we, we like to live life. We like to have more than we need. And there's a way to do that. Even in this crazy economy that, that we're in right now. So how do you how do you do that? If you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, this promise, I want you to listen, this promise right here, this promise provision will change your world financially. I'm not one of them prosperity preachers, but I can tell you I'm not a poverty preacher either. If you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, Paul said, This I say then, he that soweth sparingly will reap sparingly, but he that soweth bountifully will reap bountifully. That one promise right there, when he used the word sow, S-O-W, he was connecting that with an eternal law found in the book of Genesis, chapter 8 and verse 22, where God said, as long, as long as there's life, as long as there's time, seed time, seed time, talking about sowing, seed time and harvest will not cease. Economy good or bad, the promise stands. It's a law. If you give bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. The next verse says, Paul said, So let each one of you purpose in your heart 
how you will give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, uh, I hope I'm okay with this, Pastor. But if, it, if, you're, if you're not a happy giver, keep your money. I tell them, I tell them to give it everything. <laughs> <laughs> give it all. <laughs> Pastor said give it anyway. So the, the point is that that word says, so let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart. We don't decide on Sunday morning what we're going to give based upon what we know about our finances. Like, okay, you look in your wallet if you have cash, which a lot of people don't do that anymore, but uh, the, 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 the principle is that we make up our mind. I'm going to be a giver, and I'm going to, I'm going to pay my tithes. That's 10%, and I'm going to give offerings. I'm, a, I'm going to be a bountiful giver. And then the next verse says, And he is able to make all grace abound towards you, so that you always, having all sufficiency, may have an abundance for every good work. You see, you're, the people you work for do not determine whether you prosper or not. Your paycheck does not determine whether you prosper or not. What determines whether we prosper is not how much we hold, but how much we release. It's an eternal promise. If you're working to make a living and and you don't give, you will never, 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 never have enough money. But if you're working to make a giving, there's a lot of difference. If you're working to make a giving, you will never run out of money. That is God's promised provision. And listen, me and this lady here, we've, we've been married 47 years. And our first church, we made $25 a week. It has never been a question of whether we will give or not give. And I can tell you today that God has given us more than we needed, even when we did the paycheck didn't reflect it. It's the truth. So that is God's promise provision. We're almost done. I'm telling the truth this time. <laughs> the fourth promise provision is faith. Oh, I'm so thankful for faith. Hallelujah. Paul said in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Romans twelve three says that to every person there's been given a measure of faith. When you were conceived, listen, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, God put a measure of faith in you. Everybody has that measure of faith. Some people use that faith to believe in uh, Allah or Buddha, or not to believe anything. They should believe their own opinions about God or the lack of God. So what we do with that faith is critical. How you use your faith 
where you put your faith will determine not only the quality of your life, but where you go when you leave here. I can tell you today, I'm, I, I know, I know in my spirit, based upon the Word of God, that when I exhale here, I'm going to inhale over there. Hallelujah. And so God puts this faith. It's an incredible gift. And everything we ever, ever get from God in our life will be a direct result of the use of our faith. Matthew 17, 20 says, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, it's not about, well, I just don't have enough faith. Everyone has enough faith. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain or this obstacle in your way, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing will be impossible unto you. That's the kind of God we serve. Hallelujah. So if you think of it in this way, faith in the kingdom of God as a Christian, faith is to us what the dollar is in the worldly economy. Faith is the currency of God's economy. If you ask me to make a choice between that mustard seed faith in my life and a suitcase full of money, I'll choose that faith every time. Because a suitcase full of money won't cure cancer. Come on, somebody. The suitcase full of money won't get your kids off drugs. A suitcase full of money won't change your marriage. But faith in God will do it every time. Last provision. This is not one that you might think would be on the list. It is sometimes overlooked in its, the validity and the value of it. But nevertheless, this amazing provision has been given to us by the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, Moses said to the children of Israel, as the Lord directed him, he said, God said through Moses, I set before you death and life, a blessing and a curse. And he said, choose life. Listen to this. That you and your descendants may live. We have six grandchildren. You want to see pictures? (laughs) Six grandchildren. And uh, if I could back it up a bit. There was a day in the house that I was raised in where my daddy drank every day, smoked anything that would burn, and did not know God. Raised by an atheist Cuban grandmother. But one day, a Baptist deacon invited our family to church when we were living in Louisville, Kentucky. And we went to church that day. The gospel was preached. 
And when we sang the song, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. My daddy walked that aisle. He said yes to God. And our world changed. Our world changed. And so I wasn't raised by an atheist daddy. We all, we, we, were, we all eventually became Christians, accepted Jesus as our Savior. And all three of our, uh, the, our, the, us boys were called into ministry, both my brothers, Baptist preachers. And our life, I mean, it changed the, to the trajectory of our life. So because of that, our children were raised to know God and they married Christian girls. Made Christian choices. Both our boys married Christian girls, spirit-filled. Our daughter married a, a Christian Son, jury's still out on him. No, that's, that's just how dads feel about son-in-laws. <laughs> so um, so that, they, they, that my daddy's choice made a difference about my children. And now our six grandchildren are being raised in a Christian home. And we're teaching them the importance of relationships. And we're believing that they will marry Christian companions. You see, it's multi-generational. So when, when Moses said, choose life that you may and your descendants live, there's nothing, listen, there's nothing you can do that will impact your children and your grandchildren, after you're gone, we're not always going to be here. And you can't leave them. You cannot leave them enough money to make their life good. Because money does not make life good. But God, the presence of God. And so when you and I make a choice to live for God, have God in our life, it impacts multiple generations. Let's stand to pray. It's about choice. Thank you, Jesus. Today is Sunday before Thanksgiving. If you're here today, heads are bowed and eyes are closed across the congregation. If you're here today and God is not central in your life he can be you don't have to know all the answers about God understand everything to exercise God's provision of choice when you say yes to God it changes everything changes the, tra- the trajectory of your life. You can change your tomorrow by what you do today. So if you're here this morning and 
you've never asked the Lord to come into your life, you put your faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross as payment for our sin. You can do that today. That's just, that's, that's exercising your free will of choice. God will never chase you down, necessarily make you accept Him. But the Holy Spirit has put it in front of you today. And I encourage you. I urge you. I urge you today. By the Holy Spirit, I urge you today to reaffirm your choice of God in your life. Say yes. If you've never said yes, say yes today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today. Lord, you sure have made our life good. God, I do not regret. I do not regret one day of living with you and our life. And Lord, after all these, this time and all these years, I'm not bored with you. I love you. I need you. And Lord, if I had it to do all over again, I would still choose God. Still choose Jesus. Hallelujah. In my life. Yes. Yes. So we praise you today. We praise you today. We thank you today. Heads are bowed still. It's just you and God. It's just you and God. I encourage you. Swing open wide the doors of your heart today. And just accept Him in your life. Can we, just for a few minutes, just lift our hands if you feel comfortable doing that. And thank God for all the provisions He's made, salvation, the peace of God, the peace with God, a Spirit-empowered life, the, pro- the, the provision of more than enough, faith. Lord, right now, we thank You. As we, as we approach Thanksgiving, Lord, we thank You. We're not products of, of luck, Good fortune. Lord, it's you. God, it's all you. The food on our table, the shoes on our feet, the clothes on our back, the provisions you make for us for life, God, it's you. Yes, hallelujah. God, it's you. And we boldly declare that and decree that today, God, it's all you. And so we worship you today and we praise you. We honor you, God. We're glad you're in our life. We're so glad you're in our life, oh God. We want to live and and honor you, Lord, with everything within us. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. This week and from now through Christmas, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us to say something. To advertise for God. And so I encourage you, be open to those opportunities. There's a lot of hurting people out there. And when we share how good God is, it can really turn their life around. Blessings today. Thank you.